What's your recommendation for leaders who want to stay curious? <laughs> Fall in love with, with new ideas. Uh, don't be afraid to be a beginner again. Um, man, about four years ago, I started training jujitsu. And, uh, you know, going in at my age and just getting my butt whipped on the mat, <laughs> choked out, tapped out time after time after time. <laughs> But it, what an amazing growth experience for me. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Lead the Team. We've got a great one for you today with Jim Weaver as a chief operating officer over at the Owning Group. As the company grew from $10 million in 2001 to a projected $800 million this year, Jim's role has evolved and the scope of responsibility has grown exponentially over the last past two decades. They have over 10 plus office staffing groups listed as one of the staffing industry analysts, fastest growing and largest staffing firms. Since 2001, the company has achieved an average annual top-line organic growth rate of 25%, and I'm smiling because I love to see that, while increasing gross and net profits and remaining debt-free. Now, a strong corporate culture is the key to owning sustained growth, and we're going to dig into that today, but I'll tell you what, they've been recognized for it. The best staffing firm to work for in 2021 by staffing industry analysts and they've been featured in the Birmingham and Nashville Business Journals as a perennial best place to work. Uh, I'll tell you what, just so awesome. But one of the cool things, too, that we're going to dig in today is Jim's other career. As a professional rock and roll drummer with a music degree from Berkeley, hallelujah. Welcome to the show, Jim. Hey, thank you. Man, it's good to be here. Man, if you want to start pounding on the skins right now, now's the time. A little drum roll <laughs> as we get in here. So. We're gonna, this is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to dig in, but let's start this out. So you lived in a van for three years? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I always say that I have a little different management perspective having lived out of a van for three years. I, uh, How could I you started, not? Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it definitely shapes you a little bit. I, I went to school. I went to college uh, at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire my first go around, uh, and I was a business major. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to play music, got a summer job with the circus in upstate New York, playing drums in a circus, and then Whoa. met a rock and roll band up there in upstate New York. And we had some, a little bit of label interest, got some opening dates that summer. And, uh, at the age of 20, my parents came out to visit. I remember, and I told them, uh, yeah, I'm not going back to school. I'm, I'm going on the road. Uh, and they were, they were thrilled, uh, thrilled about that. I, I'll tell you. Um, go on the road to make some real money. (laughs) You're right. right. (laughs) So yeah, we were up and down the Eastern seaboard for three years, um, living the dream. It was, uh, you know, I I wouldn't trade it, but I'd, I'd never go back, you know? 
So this was a rock and roll lifestyle. It, yeah. I mean, we were a, uh, what was a we, day like? What was a day like? Oh man, we do. So we lived sort of, we lived communally, uh, the band did. And we had a guy that was our sound guy and we would, um, you know, we'd drive down to Hoboken, New Jersey and play a gig down there, uh, that night. And then we could afford to get a hotel in, in New York or Hoboken there. So, uh, we'd have to stay in some dump out, out in Jersey city, you know, where you sleep on top of the covers because you're afraid of what you're going to pick up. And then we drive <laughs> up to New Hampshire the next day and play some, you know, casino up there. It was just, you know, whatever we, wow. could, any, anything, it, it was just, uh, it was just go, go, go. Just what, where can we, what can we do next? Wow. And, and, and what uh, were your yeah, hours was, like? So you would play it at what time usually? you know, one, one in the morning, maybe, maybe two, and then you got to load up and go. Wow. So typically we'd, we'd be done with a gig and we get all loaded up and we drive to the next town. And, and as we're driving to the next town, um, everybody would be getting up and going to work. <laughs> you know, I look at those suckers, those, <laughs> like, those, those suckers, yeah. like I am today and think, man, you I'll know, never be like that. It. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then you uh, have to sleep at some point, which yeah. you're like just day sleeping the best you can, I yeah. guess. To day get sleeping and sleeping in the van. And, and we did have a rental house that we were kind of in and out of. We based out of uh, Albany, New York, because it was kind of centrally located. We were playing mm -hmm. the city and then we were playing the college circuit in Vermont and New Hampshire. And we lived down in Florida for eight months. And it was, uh, it was a 20 year old's dream, I'll tell you. Wow. And so looking back on that, what is something that you gleaned from your rock and roll lifestyle experience that helps you today and how you view things or, 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 or perceive things? You know, I've always been someone who thinks, why not? Why not me? Why, you know, and, and like I, and it, it sounds like I was, you can hear that story and kind of think I was a loser musician, you know, drop out of college and, it, but, but I really, I had a passion for music and, and I loved play and I, I wanted with everything in my being to be a professional musician. Mm. Um, and I, I, I went for it with everything and, um, uh, and, and I guess that's the thing that's, that's stuck with me just to, uh, Jimmy Weaver, the dream believer. That's, that's who I want to be. <laughs> that's why that's why i aspire to be yeah i mean it's i feel like so few people uh that you run into or that you know we run into today actually have a story where they've literally they go all in on something that may not work mm -hmm. and is there anything more than may not work potentially than a rock and roll band but right. you got to have the belief in the possibility right like yeah, yeah. you know yeah. buying in it and having that moment, I suspect, and you and you're looking back, say it was worth it, you know, yeah. you know to do it and uh, and to grow through that. Of course, you're not the same person you were then because none of us are, you know, yeah. when we're young. But yeah. you've had that experience, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, I, now, what I did you look early through? because of it? Though I struggled early in my career transitioning. Yeah, my resume did not look good. I really struggled. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well. How, how does, you know, what's your work experience? Well, I've been, you know, the drummer 
which by the way, I think is one of the most important things in a rock and roll band, of course, right? Uh, it's hard to rock and roll without a drummer. What, I mean, isn't the drummer, the drummer's the heartbeat of the operation, right? Yeah. Well, I'm biased, you know, but yeah, if you have a bad drummer, it's just a bad day, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you got to, you know, we could probably draw some leadership similarities of, hey, the leader's got to set the cadence, right? Uh, I suspect. Yeah. And it's not a glamorous, you know, you're not out front um, mm-hmm. and you've got to carry it every moment you really need to be on. You can't take a break. Um, and and really, my goal as a drummer is to make the other players around me and make the audience feel good. Mm. That's my goal. And uh, I, I think there's probably some uh, uh, some translation of that into you know being a being a leader and and uh, you know running a business. Yeah, yeah, it's not always glamorous being COO. I'm sure. Uh, but like you say, you, you, you gotta do it and you gotta, I mean, the operations are, are, are so critical yeah. and being able yeah. to have that experience from being behind, behind the front person, but still appreciating it. Now, one of the things I want to make sure we get, have time to get into is this track record of organic growth. Uh, some of your businesses, you know, they grow through acquisition and whatnot, and they're constantly evaluating that you all have made the choice to really stick, you know, on the organic side of the business. What recommendations do you have for leaders who, who are committed to, to growing organically? Um, I, I think the, I, I was thinking about this and, and we've been talking about it uh, recently and, and trying to, trying to, trying to understand what we have done right. And, um, I think that, uh, I, I can distill it down to four, four things that we we've, we've done to, to have that long a track record. Um, we have a values, not rules culture Two, we've built a corporate identity around thriving in winter, thriving in tough times, uh, four, we approach the employer employee relationship as an alliance. And five, we've rallied around a, a BHAG. And I'm happy to unpack any of those, but just yeah. thinking about the things that have, have supported our growth these last 20 years, I think those are kind of the four pillars that we've we've done it on. Values, not rules. That's kind of a mantra here. The idea okay. is, yes, we have policy. Yes, we have procedure. Yes, we even have some rules, but we do not... We don't serve our policies. We serve our values. And if in a given situation, a rule, a policy undermines a value, then that policy or procedure needs to be broken or bent. You do not get to say around here, um, I, I follow policy or that's the way we always do it. Or that, that is not a valid um, answer mm-hmm. to why you did something. Yeah, yeah, that that definitely sounds like a place that can thrive in winter. To right. get to your other value, because if you're not flexible, when things get tough, you got to be able to flex to your environment, and I think that's so important. And it, it brought up for me another one that uh, a, a thing that's been coming up time and time again 
some interviews recently. We we just interviewed or I just interviewed the chief human resource officer, Nicola Moreau of uh, IBM, and she got really into this uh, topic around new collar workers. Yes, and and yes. IBM of course is globally hiring all these people, and they have all these strict hiring things that you you know education's got to be here. All these things have got to be in place to work at IBM, and now. She said 50% of their job openings don't even require uh, a college degree. I heard that. Yeah. I heard, yes, I, yeah. I listened to the interview. That was a great interview. And that's those are a lot of the discussions we're having with our clients right now. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you, when, when, I, when I run into a rule, and this is what I, uh, I, I've said this on stage in front of our team, I, I asked, the, the, my first question is, is it really a rule? Is that really a rule? And the second question is, mm-hmm. okay, if it is a rule, what happens if I break it? What's the consequence? Let me, you know, because we 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 put these we put these constraints on ourselves, and they're just they're, they're we've made them. We created the constraints, and then we're frustrated because, um, well, it's the is it really the rule? And well, what happens if if we don't follow the rule in this this given given situation? Hmm. It's all risk analysis is what it is. And not, I'm not, uh, one of our values is integrity. So that's the other thing too. When people, you know, you gotta be careful with the values, not rules thing. Cause people will throw that back in your face. Well, Jim values, not rules. I mean, I, and you know, it's not a license. <laughs> both to do ways, eh? yes, yes. It's not a license to do whatever the heck you want. And hmm. integrity is one of our values. So we need to do what we say we're going to do when we're going to do it. We need to, we do, we, we we need to we need to we need to do that and and performance is also a value. So if you're if you're bending a rule and it and it's not it it's it's, hmm. it's doesn't have integrity, you're bending the rule or it doesn't lead to performance, um, then you're just you're just copping out. You're just making an excuse mm-hmm. for sloppy. Yeah, what I like the what I like about the road that you're going down is it's one thing for a value to businesses cut leaders, team leaders to talk about values, but it's so important that you make sure that the people working there and the customers experience the values. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're experiencing them and they don't even know they are. And I think it's a great example about integrity saying, Hey, we experience this by doing what we say we're going to do. So when I tell you, I'm going to deliver on this for the client, I do it. And therefore we are living out our integrity value. And it's just, just makes so much sense, but I feel like it's it's really the leader's responsibility to make that connection for people, yeah. uh, because it, otherwise it can see seem so darn abstract. Yeah, that it just gets up on the wall. So you do a nice job. Of what you're talking about there, making that connection. Now, being in the staffing industry, I've been dying to ask you this question. Uh, without including names, what's your most colorful story of when someone quit or was fired? <laughs> um, man, we, we always talk about, uh, well, here's, here's one for the book, you know, um, there was a, I want to see the book after this, <laughs> <laughs> you got a book of these. Um, I mean, some are, this is a family friendly, you know, show. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep the ones <laughs> out that are. Just, somewhat PG, PG 13. Oh ever. my goodness, man. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, there was a, there was a guy who, um, uh, who thought 
have you seen the office where Dwight Schrute uh, throws a cigarette in the trash can and sets off the alarm? And yes, well, this, this guy I wanted the afternoon off. So he starts is a huge plant uh, up in Tennessee and he wanted the afternoon off and he started a fire and burned the whole place to the ground. Because he wanted a day off. He wanted to, you know, the fire alarm would go off, figured it would be, you know. The, Con- the he thought it would be contained. <laughs> yeah. And they went, no, it was. I ended up doing, ended up doing prison time. Uh, but that's the most outrageous. Uh, that's oh, my gosh. That's probably the best staffing story I, I have for you. <laughs> I hope the afternoon was really good. It sounds like it was his last free one. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, gosh. He, <laughs> he, got, uh, he got free meals and plenty of downtime for uh, – for a few years out of that, out of that, uh, wow. prank for sure. Yeah. Next time just request a day off. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. What's one trait you wish you could still on every employee and why is it so important? Curiosity. Mm-hmm. Curiosity. Um, you know, I, our ability as an organization to adapt and apply new information is both our current competitive edge and our insurance that we'll be able to thrive over the long term. Mm-hmm. So we've hmm. we really we really are this is a this is a shift over the last two or three a real focus as an organization. We have got to have a strong learning and development culture. And in order to have that, we've got to have leaders. We've got to have people that are curious. Um, have you ever heard this concept of uh, the modern elder? No. Chip Conley, he's an author. I, I mm, heard him. Yeah. I think, yeah he, Chip he and Dan. Yeah, yeah. I think what, what it's Chip and Dan Heath, not Conley. Okay, but good. Uh, Chip Conley, I think he's the one that coined the, the idea. Yeah. But uh, the idea with the modern elder is the modern elder is as curious as they are wise. Hmm. And you you think of the old timers that you want to be around, the 80, 90-year-olds that you want to be around and the 80, 90-year-olds you don't want to be around. You don't (laughs) want to be, right? Let's be real. There's a difference. Yeah. yeah, The the ones that know it all, you don't want to be around. But the ones that are curious, Hmm. and then they're bringing eight, nine decades of wisdom to the table, those are, I mean, those, those, those folks are a treasure. Um, so I, I think not only is it important to our organization, but I, you know, I'm, I'm 50 and, you know, I, a lot of times guys, when people, when they get to be our age, they start to get stuck in their ways. They think they have it all figured out and they kind of grab hold of their career and they just run out the clock, you know? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I just, I feel like the curiosity thing is is super important for just running through the tape strong as a as a person too. So, uh, man, the curiosity thing is huge, and it's pretty rare. What's your recommendation for leaders who want to stay curious? <laughs> Play drums. Do the thing. I mean, uh, I hmm. am I am a voracious reader. Okay. Um, I consume immense amounts of, you know, uh, podcasts and I, I love new ideas. So 
you know, fall in love with, with new ideas. Uh, don't be afraid to be a beginner again. Um, man, about four years ago, I started training jujitsu and, uh, you know, going in at my age and just getting my butt whipped on the mat, <laughs> choked out, tapped out time after time after time. <laughs> but it, what an amazing growth experience for me on, on so many levels that's been. So um, just be curious and, and be on the, develop a hunger for new ideas and, and don't be afraid to be a beginner. Yeah, I, I I think what you just said is no pun intended is like a ninja Jedi, uh, because you put yourself in situations where you're uncomfortable in that jujitsu moment, and you have no. I mean, and that's a great example of putting yourself in a position where you're uncomfortable, but knowing that you have to learn or it's not going to work out. Yeah, I mean, and you tap out enough. I've not done jujitsu, but I know a lot of people who have at an older age. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you, it gets you out of your comfort zone. For me, one of the things is I uh, learned doing salsa. Uh, I've done swing with my wife and friends for a long time, East coast and West coast, but getting out into the Latin dance world is a complete, as you know, yeah. uh, Tito Puente and, and the timbales mm -hmm. and all that. It's like mm -hmm. a completely different rhythm. It's, yeah. it's way more intense yeah. uh, also in so many ways. And so doing that, yeah, it just expands you and you can get more curious about it. Um, I'm a big music fan too, and I love different kinds of music. Mm -hmm. uh, you can, and uh, my daughter is 11 and she's exposed me to a lot more pop music than I would like. Yeah. But <laughs> I am, uh, you know, we trade back and forth. She, she gets, uh, she gets to pick a song and then I pick a song and then my yeah. wife picks a song and we kind of, we can do that for hours in the car. Yeah. So. Well, wait, my 17 year old, uh, my middle child, he's got great taste in music and he turns me, wait till she gets a little older. She's going to yeah. turn you on to some cool stuff. I'm telling you right oh, now. Oh yeah. Well, she, she's getting, she's getting there. Getting there. Yeah. I mean, I've listened more to Taylor Swift than a human being should, uh, <laughs> through her, uh, but she goes deep. She'll go deep in the catalog. Yeah. And, uh, sort of a, this is a side thing, but we, She's discovered Glee. Are you familiar with Glee? Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. And so Disney has now released all the episodes at one time of Glee. So there's like seven to nine yeah. seasons. And really, I think a lot of this is too edgy for 11-year-olds, some of the topics. But the performances are so incredible. And my daughter is now listening to Fleetwood Mac. Wow. Rumors album wow. because of Glee. Yeah, and I yeah, introduced yeah. her. She, she knew Michael Jackson. But now she has Michael Jackson, you know, much more. Um, and they they'll often go deep in their episodes. So, and it's also provoked a lot of conversations at home with her going to middle school that we would not have had otherwise. Yeah. About drugs and sex and a lot of stuff that you know comes up in the show. So anyway, that's curiosity and, for you. And that opened up for you and her because you were willing to be open to what she was into and curious about what she's into. Yeah. And 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 that 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 helped cultivate a deeper relationship between you and your daughter. That's, that's beautiful. So, that's, so that's true. Beautiful. Yeah. And it really, and I had to, I, I could have shut it down after one episode. If you watch the first episode, y'all glee, that's pretty much what it is. And it's a legend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, 
So yeah. that, that's cool. And I like it y'all uh, for the listeners, you got to hear in there. I mean, Jim has some good ideas about how to foster the curiosity in yourself as a leader. If you're, if you're coming on and you're talking about your team needs to be more curious, the best way to do it is what Jim's talking about here is do it yourself first. Lead the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. you being on this show shows you're probably curious about what's going to go down with this Ben Fanning guy. Hey, I started listening to some podcasts and started reading your book. So I'm, I'm, oh. I'm curious for sure. Well, gracias for that. Oh man. So kind of going the next step with curiosity, curiosity evokes ideas. And you say, uh, in the interview here, you're not, you love new ideas, but when the shoe is on the other foot and your employees have ideas, uh, sometimes maybe many, it can be like unleashing Pandora's box when you're trying to get the work done. What's mm-hmm. advice uh, for leaders and their teams when they have a big idea? How do they need to communicate it to the C-suite? Well, if you come with an idea, then, and you're really passionate about it, you really believe in it, mm-hmm. then you need to come with a plan to execute it. And you need to realize that if you come to me, um, and you have that idea, I'm going to make you head of the committee to get that idea <laughs> started, you know, and, and yeah. that's actually a great filter because they know it's like, they're not coming to me to tell me what I should do. It's like, Hey man, that's, that's awesome. Mm, make it yeah. happen. Why don't you do this and try that or try that in your region and let's measure the results. And if, and if it's, if it has the impact you think it's going to have, we'll scale it out to the organization or, or, or whatever it is. Yeah, it goes back to don't give your boss more work. Your job is to give them less work uh, yeah. at a foundational level. They're already pretty busy. But I like that. It allows them to take the extra step and think through the execution side of it. Because, I mean, that's that's ultimately where the rubber meets the road. Well, and you, uh, you, yeah, you talk about um, creating the job you love. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's what you're doing when – when someone wants to be, a, if they, they're an aspiring leader and, and they notice a void or there's a vacuum or why doesn't somebody do this? I always used to think, ding, ding, ding. Ooh, there's my angle. I'm going to go do, you know, like that's, there's a vacuum there. I'm going to fill that, you know? Yeah. And, and and that's how, you know, I, mm. there's people that have done bigger things than me. I've, I've had a good run though. And that, that's how I've done it. It's, it's not a frustration when I see nobody stepped up to do this. It's an opportunity. Mm, I love it. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. When's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? Um, so... I got off the road with the band, went back to school at Berkeley, played around Boston. I got a gig with a country artist in, in Nashville, uh, Kevin Sharp. He had a couple of hits in the 90s. And uh, I, I checked finally... those out, by the way. Oh, yeah. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I'll Spotify. <laughs> I can check them out. Yeah. That's, yeah. You, that's was... you? I'm not playing on the album. No. They, okay. They have different musicians in the studio. Yeah, studio and the, versus on the road. Studio the is road, what yeah. you graduate to after you've been on the road for. Okay, for right, okay, all right. Those guys yeah. are elite, elite. I mean, yeah. it's it's 
barely discernible difference, but, but it's just, it's anyway. Uh, so I was in Nashville and, and my wife and I, we moved to Nashville, we were in a ton of debt and uh, I was on the road and, and we were playing out, but I also sold, I did sales while I was gigging because we were, we were buried in, in consumer debt and, you know, needed to dig out of it. And, and, uh, but things were working and I was kind of climbing the, climbing the mountain and I had the gig with Kevin and, and I was playing around town and I would go though, like we'd do a run down to Texas, go to Houston and Dallas, maybe then San Antonio. And then we drive back Sunday night and then we'd, we'd sleep in the, in the bus, you know, in the little coffin bunk and then pull up at the Kroger in Brentwood, Tennessee, where we would rendezvous. And I get in the car and I go sell advertising. Um, wow. So I was burning it at both ends. Yeah. I finally, in, in 2000, got to the point where I was making a living again at music. I had a road gig. Felt like I was right there at the, at the, the peak of the mountain, kind of. And then I got the call from Kevin, or Kevin's manager, and I got fired. He just cleaned house. Mm. He just cleaned house. And that happens in Nashville. And it was like, I was right there at the, at the, at the peak and I lost my footing and, and went a half, a quarter mile back down the, the mountain. And mm. I was so tired. It's so, I was so devastated. Um, and out of that though, I had to go, I thought, well, I got to get a day job again because that just, that was my main income. So I walked in to the Onan office in Nashville looking for a warehouse job or something so we could keep eating uh, while I interviewed to try to get another sales gig. And, and the manager there said to me, you know, Jim, we have a sales opening. You should interview for that job. Um, you'd be great. So I did. And 21 years later, here I am. Wow. Yeah. So the day, was it the day you got fired? The, no, it was it was it was a couple of weeks. Okay, couple of weeks but I mean I was that looking. was your next move. Was your next job was where you are today, essentially yes. at the company. Yes, yes, yes. Well, actually, I had a wow. little run. It was Christmas time, I remember, and they didn't want to start me till the first of the year because they didn't want to burn a bunch of money on some sales guy that wasn't going to be productive. So I ended up being a Sprint PCS foam phone uh, for the holidays right before I started. <laughs> So that was, wow. man, I, Acting. So, Acting. it was a low point, man. I'm, I'm telling yeah, you right Wow. Now. Sprint phone. So drummer on the stage, living your dream, sort of feeling like you're getting yeah. to the rock and roll dream yeah. to Sprint phone actor, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. To getting the start in a company that's going to propel your career to the C-suite and you're going to go from a 10 million to an $800 million company. Yep. That is a wild story, my friend. Yeah, that's good. And I love it. <laughs> but, but it goes to show, I mean, that they're all journeys are a little different. Um, yeah. it, if there was one theme, is it, is it the why not message or, or what's the, when you kind of look back at it, what, what, do you, what's kind of the thing that you take away? Yeah. From? Why not? Why not you? Mm-hmm. Why not me? You know, I mean, like, why not? Possibility. That's the only thing that's really, I really believe that. I, I uh, mm-hmm. um, and, and when I run into a, a point where I feel like I'm kind of out of my depth or I'm at the edge of my operating range, I just ask myself the question, well, 
if I were qualified to tackle this, how would somebody who qualified to tackle this tackle it? <laughs> it's time to get and, on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you YouTube know, that, that little game though, it kind of unlocks the other 90% of my brain that I, I don't use. And, and it, I mean, I've, I've done that for 20 years and, and, uh, um, so that that's, yeah. Why not? Why that's not? A cool, that's a cool hack. That's a cool hack. What if? Yeah. If I, <laughs> somebody, what if I, I'm yeah. not smart enough for this. Well, what if I was, well, how would yeah. I think what what would I do if I was next? smart yeah. enough? You yeah. know, because with the curiosity and building upon that, and, you know, that, mm-hmm. that continued learning. So wrapping this up, what's a tool or gadget that's contributed to your success that listeners could go out and purchase? Um, I recently discovered Blinkist. Are you familiar with Blinkist? relatively recently yeah but yeah so so i would love to hear how you're using it in your day and what it's how's it work for you so so blinkist now i haven't i haven't read the cliff note blinkist is basically uh it's it's a book in 20 minutes it's a 20 minute summary of a book uh on it um uh, it's audio it's an audio summary and i think they do actually written summaries as well i haven't haven't done the written Mm -hmm. summaries um but uh and, and the cool thing I used to read. So when I did, was deciding what book to read, I would read the the first couple paragraphs and the last paragraph of each chapter, and kind of yeah. understand the arc of the book. And then I, if I, if it, I felt like I had a good map, and then I could make a decision of whether I wanted to invest the time reading. This does in twenty minutes on the ride home. I can check out a book and decide whether I want to dig deeper into it or. If it's a book that a lot of people are talking about, I feel like, well, I've already kind of tackled that subject, but I want to, I want to know what, uh, just kind of the framework that the author used. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to understand it. Um, 20 minute investment and and boom, you, you've got the high points uh, of the ideas uh, and can speak intelligently about it. So I, I, I think it's a great hack. I'm, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm actually a Blinkist person I've, I've been using it a friend of mine mike vardy turned me on to it and uh very similarly it's it's a great way especially for the interviews that i do to sort of gauge authors and their topics to see if they might be a good fit or uh just interested in the topic and because they it's not just business related books which i think is kind of oh. interesting like they'll go deep on the hot issues with like evolution and some other topics yeah. that are pretty interesting you can yeah. also pick up other skills there. So, and it's yeah. not boring. They do a really good job of mm-hmm. producing them, and and yeah. uh, it's surprising how much of a book you can actually get in twenty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's like wow. Well, yeah. I've been doing this before. Yeah, yeah, oh, man. Yeah, well, so Jim, wrap this up. What's your parting thought for our listeners today, sir? I'll dovetail off of of your your book's narrative. Um, I, it just this this is the way I say it. Um, love your job, Mm. love your career. And when I say love, it's a verb, it's active. Mm. You know, I love my wife. So I invest in her. I invest in our relationship. I invest time. I figure out what she likes, what she doesn't like. You know, I, I buy her things. I take her out. I invest in that relationship because I love, love is, is active. It's not primarily a feeling in my and same thing with work. What if you, what if it's saying, instead of saying, I love my job or I don't love my job, love your job, like mm. show love to it, invest in it, choose to love your job. Uh, that's the way. And that's, that, that's the theme of your book. I'm, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I love it. That, but 
but that's no, it's a great, it's a great thing. You, what you truly love, you invest in because it, it fosters growth. So I love that. I love that. And last question, favorite drummer of all time. Ooh, man. I have to say Tony Williams. Well, I'll, I'll give you two Tony Williams and Vinnie Cagliuta. So uh, Tony Williams was Miles Davis, uh, Miles mm. Davis's drummer in the like Nefertiti uh, era, like kind of that post 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 bebop era. He's a bad man. He's oh, so good. He was like 18 when he recorded that album. He's just unbelievable. Mm. Just nasty jazz drummer. He was so good. And then uh, Vinnie Cagliuta. Um, He's a he's a session guy. He played with Sting. He played with Frank Zappa. He's played on a gazillion albums. Uh, he's an amazing uh, drummer as well. Uh, kind of similar to Tony. He can also do the jazz thing. Um, so th- those two. Uh, Sting once fired him because he can turn around the beat. The way he plays around the rhythm, it can turn around the beat and then land on the beat is so out there that one time he lost Sting and Sting came in at the wrong spot and Sting fired him and then hired him back at like an hour later or something. <laughs> that was terrible. Oh, wait, that was genius. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. so out there. I didn't appreciate it at the time. Yes, yes. Yeah. Cool. Jim, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, Ben, we appreciate, I appreciate your time. It's been fun. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.